pot party. The trippers, the grasshoppers, the hip ones, all gathered in secrecy and flying high as a kite. Hello and welcome to Trippin' Through Time, the podcast where we talk about the science, the culture, the history behind psychoactive drugs. <laughs> Today is episode 32. I don't know. Is, is that it? right? I think 32. Or 33. It's been so long. We're uh, talking about sugar today, also known as sucrose. This episode will be called sucrose because it's like the science one. It's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, I would like this to. This is 33. 33. This is episode 33. We'd like to apologize for our three week hiatus. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not planned, Mm-mm. life got in the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, As it this does. is this is not our main thing, believe it or not. <laughs> uh, and so uh, you know, both me and Stuart are uh, dealing with lots of changes in our life. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we uh, we had to do that. So, but we're back. Uh, we try to deliver this podcast to you uh, weekly. But hey, if you're mad about it, too bad. It's you're free. not paying us. Um, okay, so sugar part two or sucrose. This is the science of it. Uh, I'm just gonna drop some drop, drop some science bombs. Uh, first, I have something to drink. Uh, Stuart is uh, not drinking apparently. <laughs> no, not weird. It's, it's very strange. You always have something in your <laughs> yeah, hand. Nothing. Whether it's a drink or <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I have a shilling hard cider chider, mm. and it's by far. My favorite uh, winter cider. Um, take a sip here. Oh, wow, it's tart. It just tastes exactly like um, uh, delicious cider that mm-hmm. you would like put in a crock pot mm-hmm. with with cinnamon. Yeah, it's got nice spice. It's just so good. It's refreshing. Yeah. I don't really get much of the chai. There's no chai. From they it. they should just call it spiced cider. Yeah. Which is what they it says spiced yeah, chai. Right. But I think the chai off puts people. But yeah, because it sounds weird. But but it, it's not at yeah, all. It's, it's just very like a good. spice cider. It's Delicious. A very good cider. Uh, yeah, it's kind of cool. It says on here, uh, organic kinglet chai mix, rooibos. I don't know how to say that. Roubois. Really? No. Oh. <laughs> Uh, Costa, uh, cardamom, cinnamon, clove, black pepper, ginger, hmm. and a proprietary spice bit. Spri- <laughs> splash brand. <laughs> spice blend. Six point five percent. Pretty good percentage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nice. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's very seasonally appropriate. I'm gonna have to go get another six pack. Mm-hmm. Huh. All right, should we do a podcast? Oh, and I apologize. I have the sniffles. I have mm. a runny nose. And if you can hear the washing machine in the background. Sorry, we got to do laundry. Didn't they do a good job? They put in a new one and extended that whole cabinet. You see that? Oh, really? You guys have a new one? Yeah. When did that happen? Well, let's, let's talk about oh. it off air. <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, it broke. So oh. We got a new washer and dryer. I want to see. Well, I mean, you can check it out. Take a look. You can start. I don't think this is all right. <laughs> okay. So, uh, sugar. Very nice. A.K.A. sucrose. It's a disaccharide. A saccharide is just a, a molecule name. 
uh, has certain molecular moieties. That's my receipt. Uh, And uh, it's a disaccharide of glucose and fructose. Okay? What's a disaccharide? What? It's you, you don't need to know, but right. it's basically just like a molecular combination. Okay. You know, like uh, like when I said phenylethylamine, or it's like a category of molecules. Um. So now we all know that our body's main source of energy is indeed glucose. So that's what we're running on all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some ability of uh, your body to make ketones mm-hmm. and ketogenesis, but we're not gonna get into that. But a lot of this happens in your liver. This is the main uh, area of glycolysis. So uh, when glycolysis is broken down, uh, so you're stored, let's go, let's make it first. So you can get it from your body, you can get it from your food. If you run out of glucose, your glucose can be made by your liver, and that's called gluconeogenesis. Okay. It's kind of an understandable name, huh? Yeah. It's kind of fun. Very uh, fun. And then it's stored as glycogen. Okay. Uh, and then we, you have these glycogen stores, which is a whole bunch of glucose molecules together. And then when you exercise or need to burn to get energy, the glycogen gets broken down mm-hmm. and releases uh, ATP, which mm. is your main currency of energy. I know I said glucose, all glucose gets broken down and ATP is the true mm-hmm. thing. Anyways, this is called glycolysis um, and or glycolysis, slicing of glycogen, or yeah, glycogen. Okay. Um, so I just wanted to give you a little breakdown. Okay. Um, uh, our bodies require glucose to survive. Um, however, too much of anything is a bad thing. And the average American diet has way too much sugar in mm-hmm. it. So this is a fun f- fun idea because, you know, it's easy to say uh, cocaine didn't exist for hundreds of years or whatever. Well, mm-hmm. it did, but, um, you know, like you don't need it to survive. Right. You don't need cocaine to survive. No, of course not. I mean, some people do. <laughs> but, uh, but you do need sugar. And that's what's interesting as a, as like when we talk about this as something that's kind of like a drug. Right. It's like, is it a drug if you need it? But you don't need like granulated sugar. Like, can't you get your sugar from other. You can. You and know. I guess the point here is that we need sucrose mm-hmm. to make glucose. But <clears throat> what we do is basically, like, make it that goo shit. Yeah. And, like, basically, like, break it down to fundamental purity. Yeah. Which never has occurred. And then we, like, mainline that. What did, like, cavemen eat to get sugar? I mean, mainly they had, uh, they had uh, fruits and that's it. Did they eat fruit? Yeah. Like, what if all you eat is meat? I mean, you Would can... Would you die? No. I've been on a very, very high meat diet, almost zero carbs. Where do you get your glucose? I don't need glucose. But you just said humans need glucose. Okay. (laughs) So. Tricky little guy. All right. Certain organs need glucose. Mm -hmm. One of them is your liver. It's absolutely required. Mm -hmm. Um, However, uh, your brain and other, most of your bodies, apart from your heart, I think, also needs glucose exclusively. Mm -hmm. 
um, that it, everything else can be uh, can also use ketones. Okay. And so that's an alternative source. Um, also, the amount of like carbohydrates and glucose that you actually need mm-hmm. can be pretty well satisfied by your body alone. Mm. In fact, your body can take lactate and other proteins uh, from meat mm-hmm. and turn it into glucose. Mm. It's very good at it. It just doesn't want to. It's lazy. It's a lot easier to take simple sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, our, our body's ability to make glucose is pretty good. Have you heard of that rabbit starvation thing? It's like there are these people were on an island and all they could eat were rabbits oh. and they starved to death even oh. though they had and I guess it's because rabbits are like so high in fat or something that's interesting and they just don't have the necessary nutrients yeah I don't know it's, it's a tricky thing hmm. but getting back to the point it's like they never have this obviously like refined sugar right that looks like a drug right like just literally like pure the, crystal white yeah. like baseline yeah mm. so uh, the simple fact is we ate, eat way, way too much. Right. So you can think of, especially the Americans, you can think of sugar or calories basically as uh, humans absorb. When, when you get fat, it's you're ex- uh, absorbing more energy than you can expel. Mm-hmm. So two more, more calories in are higher than calories out. Right. And your body stores that immediately as fat. Right. And so uh, it doesn't, you know, there's this idea that like, oh, you only you only get fat when you eat fat things with fat in it. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, like if you have more calories, mm-hmm. the only no- what your body knows what to do with that is store it. Right. And storing something in your body is fat. <laughs> right. So, so you can technically get fat on like spinach. Anything. So yeah. You eat a fuck ton of it. Yeah. God, it'd be hard. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's numerous numerous effects um you know sugar and its uh, ability to cause obesity mm-hmm. and the obesity ec- epidemic that we have in america is mm-hmm. a huge thing mm-hmm. but i'm not really going to talk about it and m- one of the main reasons is just like go pick your favorite documentary mm-hmm. there's tons of them out there about right. sugar and uh so i'm going to talk about some of the more like weird health effects okay that like aren't very obvious because i think it's pretty obvious and well known that like being fat is not good for you right being obese has tons of health problems right um but some of this other stuff is i think kind of surprising okay uh but we are gonna start a little bit on the fat thing just a little bit (laughs) okay (laughs) sorry but it's not the main point i guess um so uh, this is from uh, sugarscience.ucsf.edu. Uh, it's an article called The Growing Concern of Overconsumption. You so, see it. San Francisco. UC San Francisco, yeah. Uh, so un- expert panels worldwide have made consistent recommendations on daily sugar intake. The American Heart Association, AHA, uh, or AHA, <laughs> <laughs> uh, recommends no more than six teaspoons 
because Americans are stupid, we don't know what grams are. Mm-hmm. Uh, six teaspoons, or for everyone else out there, 25 grams. 25 grams a day? Uh, of added sugar per day for women and 38 grams for men. It's like half a Coke. Yep. Jeez. Yeah, 38 grams is, is for men, uh, 25 for women. Ah, it's a lot less for women. Yeah, I don't really think that. I, th- I think they're just, like, adjusting for weight. Yeah. Yeah, it's Maybe just like average your size weight. Matter? Yeah. Yeah, okay. well, yeah. Kids' yeah. calorie intake part right. is what they're... Um, yeah, so you can easily eat that in a meal. You can eat yeah. that in one piece of food. Yeah, In fact, donut. a candy bar. Yeah, yeah, a donut. You're already past it. Yeah, so. that's crazy. Hmm. I think most people don't realize how much sugar is in stuff. It's like, incredible. Yeah, it's And really the hidden something. sugars, we mm-hmm. talked about that. It's in ketchup, it's in beef jerky, mm-hmm. it's in things you wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. So... So the a, uh, AHA limits for children between 12 and 25 grams. Mm. So <clears throat> so that is in line with the WHO, mm-hmm. or WHO, so <laughs> WHO and AHA, uh, <laughs> the World Health Organization. God, as a kid, I felt like I ate so much more sugar than that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like snacks fruit were just roll-ups. fruit snacks were yeah, just fruit, sugar. Yeah, it's all sugar. Gosh. I mean, that's why we have such a problem. Like what is a fruit roll-up? It's just sugar. Yes. <laughs> it's just yeah, it's just mixed in some sort of medium. Like waxy sugar. Yeah. yeah. It's sugar terrible wax. for you. Gosh. But they call it a fruit roll-up. Somehow. <laughs> yeah, it's got fruit in it. God. Mm. Um, marinara sauce. Tons of sugar. Yeah, that's just weird. crazy. I don't know why I went for fruit. <laughs> I like to dip fruit roll-ups in oh, marinara gross. sauce. I would not put it past yeah. you. Yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, so ideally. For no more than 10% of adults' calories, and ideally less than 5% should come from added sugar or natural sugars. This is from the A... This is from who? From who? Okay. Yeah. Um, which I trust a little more than the A American Heart Association. Yeah. They really f- fucked up with uh, trans fat and shit. Right. And then they like pretty much like said, let's make these no-fat alternatives. And so the companies were like, okay, and then they just added sugar. And so, like, there's no fat, but there's, like, four times as much sugar. When was this? Um, 70s. Okay. And so that's, like, you know, a lot of the, like, no fat, low yeah. fat. But then right. the sugar's way higher, right. and then you're just wor- making it worse, almost, in my opinion. Gosh. But, and we talked about it a little, you know, last time, how there's the sugar lobby was lobbying yes. the government to change with that, that percentage to, you know, make it higher. Yeah, and not put the daily limit on it. Right. That wasn't until very recently. Right. And including added sugars. Yeah, big. Very okay. recently. Yeah. So. Uh, anyways, um, so 5% would be about 25 grams. So the who's kind of on the same level. Okay. Um, now, the average American consumes 17 teaspoons or 71 grams mm. per day. And. Honestly, that is, I think, an under. That's way under. Way under. I have more than that, I think. I mean, I know people that drink, uh, my my dad drinks uh, uh, five Pepsis a day. Wow. 12 ounces. Right. He switched to diet Pepsi, hasn't he? No. Oh, he's just the good stuff? Yeah, the good stuff. Yeah. Five 12 ounces, and those probably have like 30? Oh, no. Pepsi's pretty high, about 40 grams. 40 grams and a 12 ounce? Yeah. 42 grams, yeah sure so 200 grams of sugar. yeah Whew. yeah 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 and i and i don't i'm i think a lot of people drink so yeah like that and then like donuts and not to and mention the stuff you're eating yeah right Jeez. 
And this is like sugar, sugar, like not like carbs. Yeah, this is sugar, sugar. Okay. Or sugar, sugar. <laughs> uh, so that translates to about fifty-seven pounds of added sugar consumed each year per person. Wow. And that's on the low end, right? That's the seventy-one point. Yeah, fifty-seven pounds of sugar. Yep. A year. Jeez, that really puts it in perspective. Yeah. That's crazy. And that's low. Yeah. Whoa. So. Huh. That's fun. It's a lot of sugar. <laughs> okay, so I just kind of wanted to give some some stats. I, I you know I said like oh we too much sugar. Mm-hmm. It's like well give me some numbers. Mm-hmm. There you go. Wow. Too much sugar. I'd like to know how the U.S. stacks up to other countries. I don't have that. Sorry, but that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like I feel like other countries are catching up. They are, and I but I do think we are like leaders. Number one. Yeah, we're number one <laughs> in fat people. That's cool. Um, okay, but I'm going to talk about a little bit more some more interesting things. So I'm going to ca- talk about sugar addiction. Oh, yes. Yeah, okay. So so we're going to talk a little bit about how sugar is rewarding first. So the dopamine system and sugar. Okay. Okay. And this kind of proves that it is psychoactive. Oh, yes, it does. I was telling someone we did sugar, and they said, how does that fit with your podcast? <laughs> so, yeah, what what I think everybody should realize is that everything in the world is psychoactive Mm -hmm. right engage our mind in some way it's going to release chemicals right and so you know we could make anything psychoactive right we could do a podcast on social behavior right that's actually on our list oh really Yeah. yeah and and uh you know it's proven that like that is better for depression and anxiety and so like i think it's fun because like what is a drug? Mm-hmm. It's something that affects you psychoactively? Well, then, like, everything is a mm-hmm. drug. You, you know, you hear people say love is a drug, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. and so I think it's fun. Mm-hmm. So. That's good. That means we have a lot more to talk about. Oh, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the dopamine system and sugar. So, mm-hmm. although the exact contribution, uh, uh, oh, to uh, dopamine and the reward for sugar in the reward system is kind of unclear. Most uh, researchers agree that, sorry, this is a terrible sentence. Dictation? Yeah. Um, so. Take your time. They're basically saying there's something called the nucleus accumbens, mm-hmm. NA, and it's involved in feeding behavior okay. in the dopamine system. So original studies in the 1970s had shown that a lesion in striato, striatonigral, uh, that projection, in the dopamine pathway, provoked a profound aphasia and adipesia. Uh, I don't know what that means, but probably, uh, probably like being depressed and stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, so I'm just talking about the dopamine system right, right now. Okay. Okay. So. Later, uh, it was corroborated in DA uh, dopamine deficient mice also became hypoactive, aphasic, and ataphysic. I don't know what that means. Okie dokie. So, uh, similarly, lever pressing for food pellets in uh, animals increased dopamine release in the nucleus accumbens. Okay, so, however, not during rat chow free feeding. So, suggesting that the dopamine 
and that Cummins regulates instrumental learning. Uh, so others have ex observed that the Cummins uh, dopamine increases during rat chow feeding only if the rats were food deprived mm. or in the presence of palatable foods. Okay. So interestingly, increased dopamine by eating foods uh, are switched uh, sorry, while eating highly palatable food wanes after repeated exposure. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and this returns if palatable foods are switched to a different one, suggesting a role in this trans uh, in dopamine in the for novelty recognition. Okay. Makes so sense. humans love novelty. Yeah. I think that's part of the right reason we have so much selection. Right. And they change stuff on right because we love new things. Right. And that goes with more than just food. I feel. Oh, it goes with People everything. Shop. Yeah. yeah. So additionally, it has been shown that uh, dopamine neurons respond to exposure of novel food, and if that novel food is paired with a cue and a subsequent exposure, food alone will not induce uh, neural firing while the cue alone does, suggesting that dopamine neurons are involved in conditional learning. Okay. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Okay. So <clears throat> then... Hue invigorating food seeking may be considered adaptive, but the maladaptive eating in the absence of hunger forms the basis for the feeding hypothesis. Don't know what that means. Okay. Uh, it has been shown that limited or intermittent access to highly palatable foods increases uh, cue reactivity to these foods, which has implications for the consequences of extreme dieting behavior in humans. Okay. Um. So basically they're saying like, I mean, everybody knows what happens when you diet. <laughs> it's kind of like a back, once you go back, stop dieting, there's kind of this, what am I trying to say? Back, uh, what's that word? Rebound. Mm. Rebound. So I said like backslash. Where like once you start dieting and then if you stop, it's even better. Yeah. Like more, yeah. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of uh, kind of the dopamine system. Uh, also, let's I want to take uh, t talk about how dopamine is uh, in the cumbens plays a role in the anticipatory behavior of con of consuming food. So stomach derived ghrelin. I like to think of ghrelin, ghrelin and leptin. Mm -hmm. uh, ghrelin, uh, in case you guys are worried, it's like grr, right? It makes you hungry. Mm, so. Okay. Ghrelin is the one that says I'm hungry. Leptin is the one that says I'm full. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, um, and they kind of work at the same time. Right. Okay. Um, so, so like you know, um, so has shown action in uh, so ghrelin has shown action in the uh, orexigenic orexin neurons in the hypothalamus and receptors have been identified in the VTA, hippocampus, and amygdala. So ghrelin appears to be implicated in rewarding aspects uh, are eating distinct from homeostatic me mechanisms that promote food consumption when energy stores are low. Uh, thus may be a key driver in wanting uh, foods. It's okay. basically just saying dopamine in this reward system is also in, involved in food-seeking behavior. Okay. So <clears throat> I want to talk about a little bit about feeding behavior uh, and other drugs of addiction so we can kind of see 
how sugar is similar. Right. So, uh, so remember that feeding behavior, as with you know other natural behaviors, it's a, a satiety system provided by the mechanical limitations of the stomach and peptides like CCK, and that signal satiety while drugs of addiction apparently do not. All they're saying there is that like you can only eat so much. Right, mm-hmm. and then mechanically, you can't eat anymore, and you'll feel full. But mm-hmm. with drugs, there's no natural stopping mechanism. There. Mm. Uh, mm. Secondly, even in the presence of a palatable meal, the pleasant effect seems to wane simultaneously to a blunting of the dopamine response. Even though, in some cases, sensory-specific satiety can lead to continued consumption behavior after a novel food is introduced. What they're saying there is that. Um, even when you're full uh, things are not as rewarding to eat Uh, however it could be specific to what you're eating so if you eat jelly beans you might could get sick of them but all of a sudden actually the great example is like you're eating at a restaurant and you're like oh I'm full and then it's like would you like dessert Mm -hmm. and you're like hell yeah Mm -hmm. this is a new thing Okay. And now, now you're not as full, and you you want it again. Okay. So they're saying when it switches. Okay. Yeah. Um, so finally, the magnitude of dopamine increases lower during a meal than during drug administration. So they're just you know simply saying here that drugs release more dopamine, which is pretty obvious, I think. But um, uh, drugs of abuse not only release striatal dopamine, but also block and reverse dopamine reuptake. That's cocaine. Mm-hmm creating a more potent reinforcement through the euphoric state. Mm. Um, so we're just kind of comparing and contrasting here. Um, also, there's no concrete evidence of withdrawal from food, especially mm. when compared to drugs like opioids. So there is a difference. Right. Uh, but you, there's there's definitely some, some similarities. Right. So... Um, so now we're going to talk about uh, a little bit about adolescence and sugar, just okay. real quick. So given that adolescence is a critical period of neurodevelopment, it appears as though exposure to sucrose during this time, they did this in rodents, leads to an escalated intake during the exposure period and a subsequent decrease in its CFOS genetic genetic uh, post-transcriptional changes. Okay. Um, measured in postnatal day 70, so like 40 days later than when they got sugar. So uh, this is involved in processing like hedonic properties of sweet foods. So they're basically saying here when you consume sugar when you're young, there's neurodevelopmental changes that make you like permanently happy find sugar more rewarding. oh wow interesting <laughs> it's huh. that's what they're saying wow this is really crazy that right? is crazy especially when kids i think you know we Gosh. don't really have a choice of what we eat yeah and i feel like most kids stuff is sh- sugar. yeah especially when we were kids i think it might be a little better now but damn cereal yeah cereal's just sugar it's just sugar wow so that's what they're saying there huh. isn't it dry what they say yeah you <laughs> say it have to translate yeah Um, So in this experiment, adult rats consumed less sugar after heightened exposure in the adolescent period, 
which is consistent with other findings. Oh, that's so they ate less after they had more? Let me keep on reading. Mm-hmm. These studies also demonstrate that sugar-exposed as adolescents exhibit higher preference for cocaine, but not alcohol in adulthood. There's a lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I'm so confused. Differences, blah, blah, blah. Let me read this again. Here's that through exposure to sucrose during this time leads to an escalated intake during the exposure period and a subsequent oh decrease which is involved in the process of getting hot oh interesting well okay so i was wrong these guys are saying that you actually consume less if you've been more exposed in adolescence but it's more rewarding why would you consume less if it's I more rewarding i don't know do you, does that maybe mean you have to consume less to get the same rewards? I don't know. Huh. That's weird. But I do like the, the studies demonstrate that sugar-exposed adolescents exhibit higher preference for cocaine. That is interesting. In adulthood. And alcohol? Uh, not alcohol. Hmm. Now, cocaine acts on the dopamine system. Alcohol mm-hmm. does not. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that's one ma- big difference there. So mm. is sugar. Right. Okay. Um, Okay, so now I'm going to go into, that was just a little, I don't know, just comparing and contrasting. I want to talk more about how sugar is like other drugs. I've heard people say, sorry to go back, mm-hmm. and I don't know if this is true, but I remember like as a kid growing up, you hear that in rats, they prefer sugar to cocaine. Is that true? So we are going to talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe it is true. Yes, it is true. We are going to talk about it, which is crazy, right? That is wild. I don't think that's the case in people. I, I don't think so either. Yeah, I don't Maybe. think so. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> so we're going to go. So what, what Stuart, kind of walk me through when I say drug, what are some classical things that, you're gonna call a drug if these these behavioral aspects happen to you. What do you mean? Yeah, that was pretty poorly worded. Um, like, what kind of behavior is exhibited with a drug? And not like high, but mm-hmm. like like associated with it. Um, like if you were to diagnose somebody with a problem. Mm-hmm. If you if you were thinking they have a drug problem or they just take it for fun, mm-hmm. what would be your like diagnostic criteria? I see. I would say Does like that makes sense. Yeah, like you know how how often they do it, what else they're sacrificing to do the drug. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. like if it's, if someone's like not eating, so they, they can do heroin, something like that. Right. Not eating, so they can do coke, things like so, that. So impaired control, mm-hmm. craving. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tolerance, mm-hmm. withdrawal. Mm-hmm. That's all we're gonna talk about. <laughs> okay. Sorry, I didn't know how long. <laughs> but yeah, so those are like you know pretty common things associated with a, like if you're addicted to a drug. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now we're gonna talk about sugar in those contexts. Okay. 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 Impaired control. 
So uh, this is defined as using larger amounts and for longer than intended. Okay. Uh, so rats will typically escalate their sugar ingestion ingestion progressively from an initial 37 milliliters that's dissolved to up to 112 milliliters by day 11 when they reach an asymptote so they peak you know level off that persists for the next 10 days escalation cannot be attributed to uh neophobia which is easier to overcome what's that uh they so what they're what they're saying there is you know you could say that they're escalating because they were originally scared about like licking the valve mm. neophobia and now they're over and it, so now they're just... over it so they're getting they're you know i'm comfortable here right, i'm right, gonna right. lick all i want right uh but it's not a tribute it can't be attributed to that so so they must have controlled for that by giving them just water and seeing how the neophobia changed you know okay. water then sucrose and right. Then right, right subtract it oh um so uh in addition, experimental and control animals drink about six milliliters in the first hour during the first day, and it doubles uh, to over 12 milliliters on day 12. Um, this increase could be considered as a binge, uh, and certainly the G, uh, you know, G, gastrointestinal GI system has intrinsic mechanical restraints limiting the amount consumed during escalation of sugar, sugar solution. Uh, now, <laughs> this is pretty awful, but, you know, we talk about mechanical stuff. Mm -hmm. So if bypassed, which they did mm. by using gastric fistula and just putting to it the right rats, into their... No, it makes it so they, they uh, there's a hole in their stomach, so mm -hmm. they can't get full. Oh. Yeah. So, so they would start to con binge over 40 milliliters in the first hour. Mm-hmm. And they were only doing uh, 112 milliliters every day. Wow. Uh, 37 milliliters to start. That kind of makes sense, though, right? If you're not getting full, you're going to keep... Right, but I think what they're trying to say here is that the only reason they are stopping the sugar is because they're too damn full. Oh, and they'd keep going. They would like to keep yeah. on going. That's what they're kind of trying to say. That makes sense say. to me, okay. But they, they're scientists, so they said, let's prove it by okay. putting a hole in That's, his stomach, which is kind of awful. It's but. awful. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. So uh, they'll binge a lot when they don't have that stomach. Are we back going? Straight. Yeah, we oh, are. All right. <laughs> uh, so... Uh, Intermittent administration of sugar mimics uh, those used for drug self-administration. So if you – that's that's a self-administration uh, paradigm uh, is like pressing a lever to get cocaine. Mm -hmm. It's almost exactly the same, pressing a lever to get sugar. Okay. So like rats are behaving almost identical. Okay. So, um, so it creates a binge-like pattern of intake that resembles compulsive behavior, even drug abuse. So binge-like consumption patterns of sucrose have been associated with decreased dendritic length of the nucleus accumbens shell, which supports the formation of an increased excitatory inputs. Uh, that's basically saying sugar is, is increasing. It's becoming sensitized to rewarding behavior of sugar. Okay. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, this is super rewarding. It's so rewarding 
that your the reward center in your brain is growing new dendrites because it's trying to adapt to the reward. Wow. You know? That's from our, sugar. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And that's powerful. Crazy, right? Mm. Uh, so now we're back to ghrelin, remember? Mm-hmm. That's the one that says, I'm hungry. He's hungry. Grr. Uh, ability, so ghrelin's ability to interact directly with the dopamine reward circuitry and uh, some other neurotransmitters. How, how come they haven't been able to make a drug that, like, lessens, lessens your ghrelin? Oh, yeah. So yeah. we talked about this when I was in uh, biochemistry. Uh-huh. Um, it's really really difficult Mm -hmm. it's not like it's a gland or something no and what they've found is that like satiety or like if you're hungry or full Mm -hmm. requires like seven different hormones Mm. and signaling molecules Mm. and they have to be tightly regulated Mm. and so just doing one of them doesn't work i see and then there's also like we have there's uh, mechanical receptors in your stomach mm-hmm. and and those literally you know stretch and make you feel full mm-hmm. and so like it's hard to fool those mm. but it is something that people are spending a lot of money yeah. on because you're right it's yeah. like people really do have tried i remember you were telling really me hard about i think you were telling me about some drug that <clears throat> some company made that made you not hungry but also made you like suicidal yeah, it was a, a, a CB1 antagonist, a right. ca- cannabinoid. Mm. Uh, oh, that's right. Antagonist. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and it made people skinny, but it yeah. also made people commit suicide. Crazy. I shouldn't laugh at <laughs> no, that. But, but just crazy. Yeah. Like, it made people so depressed. Did that ever make it to market, or did they just figure that out and like, Oh, tries? yeah, phase three, critical, like, it made it to market. Really? Yeah, they had to re- recall it. God, yeah. how did it make it all the way to market? How did they, they not realize during testing what's going on? I don't know. What company was that? Or maybe it was phase three clinical trials. That's mm. possible. I don't remember. Mm. But isn't that crazy? That is. So, yes, people are trying to do it, but it's not so simple. Like, they've I, – I can't – I guarantee somebody has tried to, uh, like, give you tons of leptin, which mm-hmm. would be like, I'm full. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work. Mm. And I don't – I guess, just, yeah. The body's so complicated. That's why the easiest thing to do is still, like, a stomach staple. Yeah, and – and you know it brings up the kind of the fact like you know we have we have so much you know people are spending billions of dollars uh, on anti-anxiety and depression and mm-hmm. people are still depressed yeah even right. if they take the medicine right and right. so it's just it's so complicated mm. it's not so simple mm-hmm. anyway and maybe not everything can be cured from just a drug right exactly uh, so where are we mm. uh, Anyways, ghrelin's ability to interact with this dopamine reward circuitry has been implicated in the motivational aspects of feeding under high sugar conditions. Uh, Basically saying ghrelin does have a direct effect on dopamine. Okay. Uh, It's consistent with the findings that ghrelin is necessary uh, for reward from alcohol, which is interesting, and drugs of abuse. Hmm. So ghrelin is involved in that, Hmm. which I didn't know until I just read that. (laughs) It's kind of weird. It is weird. I guess it makes sense. Maybe that's why it's so complicated. Okay. So crazy. So, uh, that's kind of impaired control. Uh, rats, just like other drugs of abuse, will continuously administer sugar to themselves like a drug. And if we remove the mechanical constraints in your stomach, they will continuously do it. Okay. So. 
onto craving. So, in one case, rats bar press, lever press, to self-administer drugs of abuse, and when forced to abstain, they will keep pressing the bar, although unrewarded. Resistance to extinction. So they fucking want it, mm-hmm. right? It's not give them anything, but they're going to continue to do the behavior. So they're just like, hey, sit there, sit there. No, mm-hmm. it's not. Okay. Poor little guys. So, yeah, I know. Uh, so second, rats will readily press the bar in absence of a cue that was previously so- associated to the drug. This is called incubation. Okay. Um, so a third parag- paradigm uses an, uh, used initially an alcohol addiction uh, is the, the alcohol depra- deprivation effect or ADE. The alcohol drinking routes will increase their consumption following an abstinence period. So this is kind of like that binge drinking, Mm -hmm. you know, college kids. Mm -hmm. They get college kids. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not drinking during the week. They binge on the weekends. Mm. So exhibited, they, uh, experiments carried out in rats trained to respond for sucrose instead of drugs of abuse exhibited resistance to extinction and incubation much like cocaine it's resistance to extinction so we just talked about that so that's they keep on pressing the mm. even though it's unrewarded okay incubation would be the the q association gotcha. and okay. they continually do that even though they're not getting sugar okay they get the q but no sugar okay so, um just like cocaine okay so moreover the incubation response was attenuated by naloxone administration you know what that is. Mm-mm. That's the opioid antagonist. Yeah. Right. So, and they have used this, and it's actually approved for alcohol substance abuse disorder, mm. naloxone. So a lot of people take it to withdraw from alcohol. Oh. And so it helps with that, too. And, you know, that's very interesting. That it also helps with sugar. Mm. So some sort of rewarding effect on the opioid system mm. as well. Isn't naloxone on its own a little addictive? Yeah, not... Not naloxone. Some of the other ones that they use, uh, I can't think of them. Yeah. Right. That one's like, um, that one is naloxone. Might be. Maybe it's naltrexone. That's so. They're selling to give heroin addicts. Yes. That's like. Yes. You know, better than no heroin, but yes. still kind of. What addictive. can I think of it? I know what it is. Such mm. an S. Anyways, it is. Yes, it's addictive on its own. Um, it's better than heroin. Right. But, uh, Most things are. This one is like an uncomfortably. This one like is uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, this one like totally antagonizes the opioid receptor. Okay. Um, Sorry, I lost my place. It's okay. Uh, so, arguing in favor of the endogenous opiate involved in sugar cravings. So what I just said. So additionally, rats trained to drink a non-caloric solution, saccharin. So Mm -hmm. this is sweet and low. Mm -hmm. Uh, The artificial sweetener, sweet and low. Uh, Also showed incubation. Consequently, the phenomenon depends on taste and not just the caloric content of the solution. Mm. So basically, they're talking here about like artificial sweeteners. Mm -hmm. It's still just as addictive. Mm, It depends on the taste. Right. There's no difference in Mm. in this study. Hmm. So, <clears throat> lastly, rats trained for 28 days to drink a sucrose solution and deprived for 14 days displayed a sugar deprivation effect analogous to the alcohol uh, paradigm that we talked about. Okay. So, identical to alcohol, identical to cocaine. They're just like doing all these paradigms and just using sugar instead, hmm. and it's the exact same thing. Hmm. So, 
Hmm. Oh, I'm so sorry. You get phone calls on your computers? Yeah. Yeah, because I that my computer's on mute. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> sorry, guys. This is my grandma. Oh. Yeah. I'll talk to her later. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, here, here they reported that rats were allowed to choose mutually exclusively between water sweetened with saccharin, saccharin, and so this is a sweet and low, and intravenous cocaine. Whoa. So what's your choice? <laughs> I'll take the cocaine. <laughs> a highly addictive obviously. obviously. <laughs> the ma large majority of animals, 94%. Preferred the sweet taste of saccharin. Weird. Over IV cocaine. Why? <laughs> it's hmm. more rewarding. Hmm. How do they? How would a rat choose IV cocaine? Oh, so they basically have two levers, uh -huh. and one of them gives them sucrose. Uh -huh. The other one directly injects cocaine. Oh, so they've already got like a little IV. Yeah, they have them. a little thing hooked up. Hmm. Yeah. And one like releases a little bit of sugar water. Yep. Yeah. Weird. Yep. Hmm. Okay. That's right. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Um, also, so that and that's an artificial sweetener. Yeah, it's not so, even good. Now the preference for saccharin was not attributable to its unnatural ability to induce sweetness without calories, because the same preference was also observed with sucrose. Okay. So I'm just saying it's both. That's such a long sentence. Yeah. I'm saying the same thing. Anyway. Um, uh, this, the preference for saccharin was not surmountable by increasing doses of cocaine and was that's crazy <laughs> was observed despite either cocaine intoxication, sensation or intake escalation the latter being a hallmark of drug addiction hmm. so <laughs> they gave them every time they pressed the lever they gave them more cocaine wow. and even that wasn't enough the saccharin was always shown wow. so that's funny uh, hmm another study about cocaine and sugar like we we're talking about so this is a study in 2007 so our findings clearly demonstrate that intense sweetness can surpass cocaine reward even in drug sensitized and addicted individuals addicted to cocaine mm -hmm. will still choose the sugar rats yes Weird. we speculate that the addictive potential of intense sweetness results from an inborn hypersensitivity to sweet well they call it tastins <laughs> Wow. Okay. In most mammals, including rats and humans, sweet receptors evolved in ancestral environments poor in sugars and are thus not adapted to high concentrations of sweet tastings. That's pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. The supranormal stimulation of these receptors by sugar-rich diets, such as uh, those now widely available in modern societies, would generate a supranormal reward signal in the brain, with the potential to override self-control mechanisms and thus lead to addiction. So another thing basically saying it's unnatural just as unnatural it is to have cocaine it's unnatural to have this kind of sugar mm -hmm. and what baffles me is that the government seems to pick and choose mm -hmm. okay well i'll make cocaine illegal mm -hmm. well make sugar illegal too then right if you're gonna be don't be hypocrites like right Preferably just make them both legal. Mm -hmm. But, or, you know, hmm. if you're going to control one thing. Mm -hmm. And you can make a pretty serious argument about the negative health you can. Of, of sugar. You, you know, can. Like, yeah. Hmm. 
I think about that a lot. There's all kinds of stuff that like humans throughout all of history up until like you know 200 years ago didn't have access to. Yeah. And now we have all yeah. this stuff. You know, yeah. Food, you know, like, f- entertainment. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. And I think it's just gonna get more and more freedom and ability to have anything we want. Yeah. And I think the most important thing is to educate people. Yeah. And let them know, like. I can take cocaine whenever I want, right. but it's going to be bad for me right. for these reasons. Right. Hmm. It's hard. I don't know. It's hard. I, I mean, were you a big brother to everybody? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see what happens in Oregon with our yeah. We just uh, yeah. That's true. Um, but I think it is pretty hypocritical what they're doing. Very. So. Yeah. Incredibly. And then we have access to alcohol. Yeah. And then you know, we talked about the opioid prescription crisis yeah, right? Right, right so they like ban these things but then they prescribe those like candy yeah so right what is the difference Bizarre. I don't know. Hmm. anyway now we're going to move on to tolerance okay so in our model rats progressively this was a short one <laughs> progressively escalated their sugar intake as explained above and it probably argues in favor of a tolerance effect okay, okay. so gain tolerance from sugar um i think this is pretty obvious just just because like i've been on a pretty low sugar diet mm-hmm. low carb and i taste things now that have like this yeah, is right. so sweet right right and then i you know when i was drinking coke and stuff right. all the time i was like ooh, not very sweet yeah this is a tolerance yeah effect. i think I've, everybody knows that yeah it's i didn't really pick up on that for because i oh, like ate, lacroix yeah. yeah exactly yeah because like i've been drinking i just recently stopped drinking and eating a bunch of sweet stuff and then when you start again it's like whoa yeah it's like wow yeah Mm -hmm. and as i've gotten older i can't like i used to be able to down a bag of like gummy bears (laughs) and if i do that now it's like i get a hangover yeah my stomach hurts yeah i feel bad my teeth hurt yesterday i was sitting on the now keep my eye i was only 26 (laughs) yeah i was was sitting on the floor Mm mm-hmm and I needed a pillow because mm-hmm. it was getting sore. Oh, the floor butt. hurts to yeah, sit. Yeah, yeah, didn't used to. Yeah. I was sitting with like, a, you know, kind of child's pose. Oh, my, yeah. My feet underneath, you know, uh-huh, uh-huh. kneeling Ooh. almost. Yeah, your knees and when I stood up, my <laughs> knees hurt. I like could barely walk. Man. And you start stretching or something. Because that's not good. It's, it's not, not normal. Damn. Um, okay, so now we're going to talk about withdrawal. So sugar acts as an analgesic. Mm. This is pretty interesting. Mm. Uh, most likely by releasing endogenous opioids. Okay. Crazy. That is crazy. Now, it's crazy, but when you think about it, what do people do when they're anxious? Sometimes people eat sugar, uh-huh. sugary foods. Uh-huh. Maybe because it actually has some sort of hmm. effect. Hmm. Anti-anxiety. Hmm. Analgesic. Um, hmm. Hence, it's sensible. Uh, I... I that's funny. I say these things, and then their second sentence is what I said, <laughs> <laughs> even though I don't see it. So, uh, again, injection of naloxone in sugar-dependent rats generates sev- several of the opiate withdrawal symptoms and anxiety-like responses. So, uh, Similarly, sugar deprivation uh, produced signs of opiate withdrawal, including anxiety-like behaviors. So, okay. there's withdrawal. All right, so there's kind of our little expose on comparing and contrasting sugar and other drugs and abuse and i think it's pretty clear that in the form that we have it now it's just as addictive Mm -hmm. now i'm uh, uh, i said in the form we have it now that's you know if 
gave him bread, maybe not. Right, or like an apple. Or, yeah, or yeah. something natural. Yeah. So. Let's talk about sugar and memory deficits now. Mm. Okay. Over the past three decades, there's been a substantial, substantial, substantial increase in the amount of fructose consumed by North Americans. Mm, hell yeah. Yep. Recent evidence from rodents indicates that hippocampal insulin signaling facilitates memory and excessive fructose consumption produces hippocampal insulin resistance. Let me break it down. Hippocampal insulin, they're saying, facilitates memory. Okay. Memory goes up with insulin, hippocampal insulin right. signaling. Right. Fructose inhibits that. A loss of memory. Interesting. Based on this evidence, like the per- permanently or when you, uh, like when you're eating it. Uh, I don't know. Let's keep on reading. Based on this evidence, the present study tested the hypothesis that a high fructose diet. So now we're dipping into this high fructose corn mm-hmm. syrup mm-hmm. thing, um, which I have a little bit about, cool. um, would impair hippocampal dependent memory. So they took these rats, uh, and they were fed either a control. So no fructose at all. Or a high fructose, 60% of the calories diet. So one other diet was no no fructose. The other one, 60% of it was fructose. Um, after 19 weeks, that's a pretty long time, the rats were given three days of training and a spatial version of the water maze task. Um, so I'll just uh, tell you what the water maze task is real quick. Uh, it's kind of fun. Uh, Think of like a kiddie pool, mm-hmm. okay? And you put a rat in it, mm-hmm. and you have a platform somewhere randomly in the pool mm-hmm. uh, that is visible, and then you have like uh, some object on the side of the pool or a sign or a star or something that they can see mm-hmm. as well. Okay. So the rat will then go to the platform and get their reward. Mm-hmm. Now, if you lower the platform and they can no longer see it, they have to rely on that signpost, whatever mm-hmm. you put there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the trick is, is that you move around uh, the signpost and they will be able to find the platform based on their, their uh, uh, proximity. To, like they have spatial memory of where it is. Okay. Sorry, it's hard to explain. It makes sense. But basically, it's a spatial memory task. Find the platform. Okay. So, that's what they did. Um, so, the higher fructose diet did not affect acquisition of the task. Okay, so they learned how to do it. Um, but it did perf- uh, impair performance on the retention. Hmm. So, their memory was lost. Weird. So specifically, rats fed a high fructose diet displayed significantly longer latencies to reach the area where the platform had been located. So made and made significantly fewer approaches to that area and spent significantly less time in the target area than did the controlled diets rats. I've watched a video of this and it is sad. Hmm. It's not what you think. Like, oh, it's a little longer. Mm-hmm. They look straight up like dumb. Like. Like, you watch the ones fed on the normal diet, mm-hmm. they go right to where the platform should be, mm-hmm. and they're good to go. The fructose ones, like, literally just, like, turn around in circles, they, like, go around the edge, Weird. they just look like they're brain damaged. Yeah. Really. Weird. So, anyways. 
the retention deficits correlate significantly with fructose induced elevations of plasma. They're basically saying it's like truly the fructose. Uh, and the impaired spatial, mo uh, spatial water maze retention performance seen with the high fructose diet may have attributable, at least in part, to this uh, increased plasma triglycerides. Anyways, it impairs memory hmm. pretty clearly. I've never heard that before. That's so, interesting. Yeah. It's wow. very interesting. You can watch a video of it. It's hmm. pre pretty cool. Hmm. And uh, did you, do you think they compared this to normal sugar as well? I don't know. It's a good question. It's a really good question. I would hope that they did, but this one was only fructose, so I, I don't know. Um, oh, I would like to talk. Uh, my that's actually all I got apart from a little note about why high fructose corn syrup is so bad compared to sucrose. So, fructose intake and the prevalence of obesity having both increased over the past two to three decades. Mm -hmm. So, compared with glucose is your normal thing which sucrose remember is glucose and fructose mm -hmm. right let me make sure that's right yep um we'll go back uh so compared with glucose the hepatic metabolism of fructose favors lipogenesis so fructose uh favors the metabolism of it favors fat mm. So sucrose will store it as like glycogen, mm -hmm. stored energy. Fructose goes immediately to fat. It's favored. Interesting. Okay. It's kind of interesting. So and and fat is the real killer here, right? Mm -hmm. um, so. Uh, so you know may contribute to hyperobesity. Mm -hmm. Fructose does not increase insulin and leptin or suppress ghrelin. Okay. Mm. So let's break that down. Does not increase insulin and leptin does not increase the things that tell you you were full mm -hmm. and does not suppress ghrelin tells you the thing that mm. says you're hungry right so you'll keep eating it and you think you're more i've hungry. heard about that yeah so it's actually like a thing for fructose that it does this if you just add fructose to other stuff does it still have that property you know does it does like fructose what am i trying to ask like if i put fructose in bread and ate the bread what i not feel as hungry compared to eating bread without fructose. I mean, I would, I would assume so. Okay. I think it's an inherent property of fructose. That's wild. Wow. I think. But hmm. so this suggests endocrine mechanism and you know dis hormone disruption. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people will say, you know, oh, it's, it's just the same. Mm -hmm. It's not, <laughs> mm. uh, and it seems to be a little bit worse. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So, wow. That's just kind of a thing. Okay. That's all I got. Okay. I got sources. Okay. For all oh, this. spit them out. Yeah. All right. So. Well, I have one more question. Yes. What is, is there any uh, validity to a sugar high? Uh. Yeah. I mean, I would say there is. From what I know, we, we clearly know that sucrose releases dopamine mm -hmm. and disproportionate to other things, mm -hmm. uh, like other food. So you would get a behavioral dopamine increase. Should make you feel a little better and then there's also just the ability that natural sugar is so easily broken down and metabolized that a sugar high i think does really work just because um everything's so easily accessible mm -hmm. your body doesn't have to break down anything so really. it's like fast and like with an apple it's got all that fiber it's right, got to break right. it down and so it's like equivalent to like smoking or orally doing you know like 
taking an edible or smoking weed. Right. And so it's just so much faster. Hmm. So, I mean, I think there is validity. But Remember how Hitler's doctor was giving him just yeah, sucrose injections? Yeah, that's probably pretty good. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's definitely not like a you know drug high, but right. in terms of quick energy, yeah. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. So. All right. Sources. Wiss D.A. et al. Sugar Addiction, 2018. From Evolution to Revolution. What's his name? Uh, Wiss is the last name. Mm. W-I-S-S. Okay. Uh, 2018, Sugar Addiction, Evolution, Revolution, Frontiers in Psychiatry. Nice. Lenoir, L-E-N-O-I-R-M, et al. 2007, Intense Sweetness Surpasses Cocaine Reward. Uh, PLOS One uh, as a journal. Ross A.P. Uh, et al. 2009, A High Fructose Diet Impairs Spatial Memory in Rats. Neurobiology of Learning and Memory. Uh, and then finally, Havel P.J. Dietary Fructose. Implications for Dysregulation of Energy Homeostasis and Lipid Carbohydrate Metabolism. Uh, this is from Nutrition Reviews. And then, oh, sorry, there's one more. Shapiro, uh, 2008, fructose-induced leptin resistance exacerbates weight gain in response to subsequent high-fat feeding. The American Journal of Physiology, Regulatory and Integrative and Comparative Physiology. <laughs> Jesus. Hmm. Um, yeah, there you go. Hmm. Got sources, man. Nice. We should do that more often. I just make up my stuff. <laughs> well, I think a lot of this is a little controversial. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I wanted to make sure they could hmm. look him up. So. I'm glad it seems like more and more people are getting on board with sugar being yeah. bad. It's yeah. funny, if you talk to the older, like even my mom, I was like trying to tell her that high fat stuff doesn't make you fat. No. Because their generation, I think, was told that. Oh, yeah. You know? She's yeah. like, yeah, bacon makes you fat. Yeah. And I try yeah. to tell her, no, it's like sugar. No. I mean, I've lost like 30 pounds and right. I eat bacon every day <laughs> right. I eat bacon every day don't know what it does to your I arteries sugar. but yeah I've it doesn't make you fat I've had four heart attacks but <laughs> um, yeah it's interesting yeah so I, I think you know this is a little bit of a stretch but not really in my opinion I don't think to so to a psychoactive yeah. drug especially what I talked oh, about oh yeah I think it's definitely applicable and these are leading journals mm-hmm. like neurobiology journal of neurobiology mm-hmm. like it's I'm not just like these are peer reviewed journals yeah, right, right. that people scientists study mm. uh, so I think it's interesting really really to take a closer look at like you know what is in a refined bag of sugar mm-hmm. and how much different is that from Mm-hmm. any other drug mm-hmm. so that's all I got alright thanks for listening yeah sorry I'm a little slow today sorry guys. for our, our long hiatus yeah we might have to take another one because it's Thanksgiving coming up oh are you gonna be here next week? I'll probably be back Sunday will you? I'll probably be back Sunday then too we'll probably do it okay probably do it okay if not happy Thanksgiving happy everybody. Thanksgiving everyone well, yeah. well even yeah, though I'd be like, like, so happy Thanksgiving happy Thanksgiving yeah because yeah, it's looking yeah. out tomorrow yeah All right. See you later. Bye.